all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Welcome to Cars and Comrades, your onlyest or on, only important uh, leftist car podcast. The the show where I forget to do all of the things I'm supposed to, and Bryant picks up my slack. Bryant picks uh, up everybody's slack. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do Thanks, you mean? You're doing, the, you're doing the intro. I was going to do that, and you're picking up my slack. Have I ever said out loud that I view Bryant as like the under like the underappreciated like workhorse of this show? Uh, I don't know if you said it on the air, but yeah, that's that's true. That is very accurate. Bryant, well, we appreciate guys. what you do for us. Well, uh, well, thank you. Um, so this, this is like week, a weird way to start the show, but I'm into it. Is. it. Expressing it is. gratitude to your comrades. Say say that shit, man. Let your friends know you appreciate them, even if they're awkward, like like I am about it. <laughs> um. Well, I, okay, intro, okay, okay, okay. We don't appreciate you. We don't even like you. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. You feel feel better now? I feel validated. <laughs> I hate how that just went. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so uh, t- t- today it's um, me, Brandon, and Bryant and Connor. No, no, Zach today. He's off doing car stuff. Woo! The, the most legitimate reason to miss our show. Yeah, he is uh, picking up another project that we'll uh, hear about next time. Because <laughs> he doesn't have enough already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I I I, I get it because uh, I'm the same way. Like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get some more problems. Actually, <laughs> so Zach is all excited to go pick up more problems. I don't need more problems. I own a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure we'll hear about that. Uh, but yeah, Zach went down to the the problem store to get some more. <laughs> So this week we're doing some some news stories, mostly about electric vehicles and the new IRA bill, which unfortunately has nothing to do with the Irish Republican Army. Womp womp. But yeah, some interesting stuff, if nothing else, and um, maybe not cool stuff, but interesting. And uh, I guess first we'll we'll give some updates. I think it would be Zach's turn here, right? Or I. Fuck, I don't remember what we did. I don't remember. Point. It doesn't matter. It's arbitrary. Yeah. Entirely arbitrary. <laughs> okay. So, so Connor, I think it's your turn then. Cool. Cool. Um, so I have some weird updates this week. Not it's outside of the norm, but just to anyone who's paying attention, uh, it seems that I'm not being evicted from a place I don't live. And I say seems because it's still a pending legal issue as far as I'm aware, but they didn't file for eviction uh, as far as we know. And so we got the five day notice and then we did a bunch of stuff and, you know, whatever. And someone's talking to lawyers and whatever. And it seems we're not being evicted as of right now. So that's good news. Mostly. Yeah. It's kind of just in the background still. Um, It could still come back to bite us in the ass, but like there's no immediate danger of being evicted from a place we don't live so 
that's a that's a good development, I suppose. Uh, the other thing is uh, tonight. I mean, car stuff specifically. Um, the uh, I mentioned the headers broken, so I got new headers. And uh, after we're done recording, I'm going to be taking my car to the shop to get uh, those headers put on because that is I am not interested in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did it the first time in a friend's garage and uh, it was rough. It was rough. So, yeah, just going to send it out to uh, to my guy at the shop and hopefully if he's got some time, maybe he can look into seeing possibly why it's burning or leaking oil or whatever the hell it's doing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that all works out. But then in other news... Uh, I am officially joining the ranks of the petty bourgeoisie um, and I'm developing a class consciousness with the owning class because I am now a manager at AutoZone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay. (laughs) So I'm kidding about the the, the bourgeoisie, but uh, so yeah, trying to uh, get a second job because do not make enough money to keep up with inflation. And I have a lot of mostly car problems that would be solved with money. Like that. I feel, I feel like the world is going in a very bad direction. And I'm just like, I feel like I've got a couple years to drift this car before shit's like too, too bad. Um, and then there's no more happiness in life. So I should try and get the money to get this car working so that I can drift it next year, because who knows, after that, it could be like Nazi Germany here, so, you know, depressing, but uh, I would like to get this car done, because it's uh, annoying me that it's a piece of shit. So, sorry, Brent, you were going to say something. I was just going to complain about inflation, like, my, my I, I, people are starting to call me, like, an actual old man now, because I, I keep complaining to people about how expensive food is getting. Just random people on the street. I'm You're like, not talking about things 20 years ago. You're like, hey, last year my groceries cost half as much. My, my buddy was like, you talk about this all the time now. You're like an old man. I'm like, no, dude. I'm I'm angry because suddenly everything that I eat costs a dollar more than it did three weeks ago. Yeah. So I bought an Arizona iced tea with 99 cents on the side of the can for a dollar 49 the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. don't worry. Uh, Joe Biden's going to fix everything. Joe Brandon. I have my doubts. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. So, so Connor, are you working two full time jobs then? No. So I, I've I've done that before, where I where I technically was like I don't know what they consider full time hours, but there was a time when I worked a full time job and then I worked at O'Reilly's part time, quote unquote. But I was working like sometimes 25 hours a week uh, for O'Reilly's, but usually it was like 30 to 35. And mm-hmm. that was unsustainable. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I tried to put my foot down with the manager there and I was like, hey, look, uh, I can work this much and you got to give me every other weekend. I was like, I can't do this shit no more. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm really sick of working seven days a week. And, she, you know, she, she tried to say, yeah, okay. So she lied. And then for like... I let it go for like six weeks and five of those weekends I worked and I was like, Hey, um, we made an agreement that like you weren't going to pull this shit. And she like put out the new schedule and I was like, yeah, 
this isn't going to work. You're going to have to take me off this weekend. She's like, well, I need you to work this and that and whatever. And it's just unprint. I was like, okay, well, this is my two weeks. Adios. I'm, I'm done with this bullshit. She was pissed. She hated it, but fuck her. So that's how I quit O'Reilly's. I'm now <laughs> doing the second job thing again, but uh, I've got the experience from O'Reilly's. So uh, yeah, I was getting calls from all kinds of store managers looking to hire me. So they're apparently, if you're looking for work, uh, the part stores around me are just going crazy on a hiring spree right now. So I don't know what that's about, but uh, they're they're really hiring all over the place. So if you're looking for work, I guess that's a good a uh, good ish place to try. Well, I don't know if you've heard about this, but like they're struggling to find people because nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Like, see, they remember yeah. back in the day when people loved working. <laughs> <laughs> they were so much better at it too. Productivity famously has gone down over the last several decades. You know, I I don't remember if I posted this on our uh, Slack channel, but I found some like compilation of headlines from like oh, the last yeah. hundred years of people complaining <laughs> oh, I've, that I've seen no that. one wants to work anymore. <laughs> yeah, you might you might have posted it because I, I know I've seen that. It's a hundred years of no one. Wa- it's I'm surprised that we were even able to get through the last century with how little anyone worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm 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 gonna get I just like I interviewed yesterday, got the job offer yesterday. So it's like not great. It's like fourteen fifty an hour. Ooh. What? <laughs> Hold on. Now minimum in Cook County where I'm at is like thirteen thirty something. So I will be a shift supervisor. <laughs> And so I make like a dollar more or whatever. It's like, all right, whatever. Cool. Um, And I'm going to be able to work part time hours. And I was like, hey, I can work like two or three nights a week every other weekend, you know, like a Saturday or something. So theoretically, uh, they said they can respect my part time hours. And they also were like, oh, have you thought about being a manager? I was like, not really, dude. I'm talking about working 10 to 15 hours a week if you want to make me a fucking manager for 10 15 hours a week sure go for it that's what they did (laughs) so now uh to this effect uh i'm going to kind of put out a little call to the listeners just because i'm very ignorant and i don't really know how to go about this yet but i have long felt that auto parts workers should be unionized um i think it is very skilled fucking labor, and I think it's a crime that they get away with paying minimum wage for this shit. Um, I think that of every job, but you know, this one especially. I've done this job. It's hard. So, I don't really know how to get that started. I don't know that I'm necessarily the best person to do that, being that I'm going to work part-time anyway. But... Well, it does sound like management's already on your side. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about that, too. I was like, alright, you guys want to make me a manager? Sure. <laughs> maybe that might help. I don't know, but roll up on it, your first day. Like shit, it looks like you guys all need raises. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty much. I mean, um, you know, Hey, I'll be the manager. If I can get some people like, Oh yeah, I think you guys should make, Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to try. Um, my store is really small. The store I interviewed at is huge though. It's a mega hub store. They've got 57 employees there. And the guy was telling me in the interviews, like, yeah, you know, I try and keep a lot of a lot of the people here around the same age and they all hang out together and go to eat and they game together. I was like, 
oh wow yeah that's like really cool and i'm like oh that's a fucking target if any there's a chance of unionizing anywhere that seems to be the place so you know and i i don't expect success um just because i'm you know i don't know if this can work but i'd at least like to reach out to maybe the local iww chapter and see if they have any advice and some other places to be like hey what are the rules associated with this? How does this kind of stuff start? Is this even worth pursuing if I'm just a part-time worker anyway? You know, how does, I don't know how a lot of it works. So, uh, but well, as someone who has been fired for trying to unionize before, totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, for me, especially I'm like, technically I don't need this job. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I, I'm getting it because uh, it will help me out tremendously, but like, I don't, I'm not like super reliant on this. So like I could afford to, you know, get fired over it um, and hopefully, you know, file a labor law violation or whatever, if that's right. the case. But like, like I could afford to get away with that. So it's like, I don't know if it's like, oh, hey, I'm in a really good position to to do to start something like this or if I'm in a really bad position. But like, I'm going to reach out to some places to see like to start the conversation, just see like, all right, is this possible? What has to be done? You know, how, how does this all work? You know, like I'll reach out to like the IWW and maybe they can give me some advice. I don't know if the IWW would necessarily be the best place to organize with because ideologically they are great in practice today. I don't know how many workers they represent anymore. I'd love to be proven wrong though. Like for real, I would, but I, I just would would want to find the best chance of success. So who knows if that's possible or what it's in the early phases of my stupid brain. Um, so we'll see. But if you're a listener and you like know fucking anything about this, you're a union organizer, you're a member of the IWW, you know, fucking anything. I don't know. Send us an email at cars and comrades all spelled out uh, at gmail.com and let me know. Or, you know, message our Instagram or Twitter. Um, just, I'm looking for advice. You know, just curious. because Piece of advice number one is you're not really going to be able to figure out anything until you work for a little bit and get a feel that's, for the people that you're working with. That's yeah. the that's the thing is like, and I have if a your whole feeling, team is a bunch of chuds, you're fucked. That's the, you know, and that's kind of the problem too is I'm like, I don't know. It, it's hard also to do a little, because all these stores are like, you know, they might have up to 10 employees but it's like that's hard to do like you don't get a new union organizing one store with like eight workers you, you know or maybe you do i don't fucking know but so I, i'm not sure but that's why i gotta like start asking the questions and get a feel for things but i'd like to start knowing about that sooner rather than later yeah and um the uh the dsa has like a special group that does just that called the emergency workplace organizing committee. And I've talked with some of those folks before I can put you in touch. Uh, they, they have like, uh, you know, like workshops and classes and stuff on organizing and uh, hmm. people that you can call and consult with and stuff, uh, lawyers and stuff. If you need that. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, any kind of resources. Cause again, I don't know if there's any chance of success here, but like, I'd like to at least think about it. I like to entertain the idea that like maybe this is possible and because it they, this is a job that should absolutely be unionized. Yeah. Should have been a long time ago. Um, and I don't know why 
I haven't heard of any union drives for this. And, you know, I, I'd wonder why, like, the UAW hasn't done it or the union that uh, represents mechanics at dealerships in the area. I don't know why they haven't tried to do it. So if I, I were going to speculate as someone who is probably at my local parts store between two two times a week, if I'm lucky, or 10 or 12, if I'm <laughs> having a bad week. There's a lot of turnover, man. I, I, I know a yeah. lot of my folks by name. And I'm really happy when I, I see someone that stays for more than two or three months. But it's it's a it's a lot of turnover at those places, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is it's kind of like, is it possible? Is it not? I, I really don't know. Well, there's a lot of turnover at places like that because it's a shit job to have. If you turn it into a worthwhile job to have... <laughs> yes turnover would probably go down quite a bit yeah yeah and that's true of a lot of places too i mean i mean look as much as i'm i don't give a shit if these companies make a fucking dime and profit or not but like no bullshit a lot of places would actually improve if they unionized like their their profits would improve there's just no way it's like you would have better less turnover better trained people like there's unions are good for business like i don't know why I don't know. Companies are real shitty about that, but it, you know, you know how you should get a feel for how everyone there feels about unions. You, sh- you should go in and, and be like, Hey, you, you guys all like cars. You work at, at advanced. Check out this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That could be, well, you guys want to learn some labor history. You know, I know this podcast that when it's some uh, labor history, you might be interested in. <laughs> One um, episode from now, we're just Connor's going to be telling the story of how he's already been fired. <laughs> <laughs> I will at least get paid for the fucking training they're going to send me through. So they're going to make me sit through some training about the history of AutoZone and stuff. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, the first half is like the history of AutoZone. I'm like, how much fucking history could your stupid little fucking store have that you're going to spend like three or four hours on it? Come on. Roll up like fuck learning. Uh, <laughs> fuck learning your history i'm trying to make history <laughs> yeah if if it's like any training thing i've done it's probably a lot of like this is why unions are not right for autozone <laughs> yeah uh we'll have to see oh my god yeah so anyway i'm now part of the petty petite bourgeoisie um as a shift manager or whatever and uh i don't know this fucking company allowed me to be a manager with fucking 10 hours and you know they don't know anything about how i want to start a union so well i think i think that's i'm not 100 percent certain on the distinction but that might be labor aristocracy rather than petite bourgeoisie i feel like it can't be I, I'm, I'm mostly joking because i'm like if i at a dollar above minimum <laughs> i know wage, i know just, <laughs> i'm kidding I also i think it's fucking crazy that they're like oh yeah you could be a manager i'm like it makes a dollar above the minimum wage please stop yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you um it's absurd that they get away with this shit it really really is but uh yeah so that's me so that's some very unconventional car updates from me sorry that took a while no, that's good. I I don't have uh, conventional car updates either. My MR2 has been doing just fine. Woo! That's you. good to hear. Um, I forget if I talked about this or not. The only, or I should say one of the problems with it right now is the um, the foam in the seat is kind of degrading and falling apart. So Time for some racing know. seats. 
I don't know if I want to do that. Oh, I mean, come on. It's, it's probably it, cheaper and lighter and it'll hug you a little bit better. I'm sure. But uh, also, like, I don't know. Just yeah, just I, you saying that everything is going well has me about to pop a blood vessel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've heard a little bit about what what's been going on with your vans. But uh, I guess a couple of things that have been going on with me. You know how I said a few episodes ago that the only people that are interested in my MR2 are the people that, you know, I'm, I don't really care about their opinion or whatever it's, <laughs> but yeah, the other day I did have a, a young, attractive woman say, Hey, nice car at a stoplight. So uh, very cool. Hey, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's impressive. That's very yeah. cool. That made my whole, whole day better. So, and if she's listening, uh, hit me up. <laughs> i doubt that's uh doubt that's true but um uh the other thing is i am uh now registered to be driving at the 24 hours of lemons race in september hell yeah yeah. um it might yeah so this this episode might be coming out around the time uh that the uh the race is going on or maybe a little after so i'll give you all a an update on that once it's over. But uh, I'm, I'm racing with uh, friends of the show, uh, Rafi and James and their MR2. So it's another 86 MR2, just like mine, but, um, you know, with a roll cage and a, and a racing seat in it and stuff. And probably in more so overall shape. Yeah. The, the whole electrical system is pretty uh, fucked, I guess. So we've got like, you know, two and a half weeks or so to get it all, uh, you know, put together and, and on the track and everything. And, uh, it needs a few things. Yeah. At least right now it runs, drives, stops, has a roll cage and a racing seat in it. Oh, there you go. That's sweet. Yeah. It's going to need a few other things like lights, headlights that work. Um, okay. Cause it's a 24 hour race. So, they only do a few actual 24 hour races. Usually they stop at night, but uh, this one going, going the this whole is a, 24 hours. It's a real one, huh? Hell yeah. yeah. So I don't know how that's going to go, but uh, hopefully I don't uh, flip you over could, and catch on fire. When is that like... happening? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I know people that have flipped over and caught on fire. I mean, you have pretty good safety equipment. So, like, you know, you're not going to die, but you're going to ruin your day at least. But uh, yeah, that's about all I've got going on. Well, speaking of uh, rolling over and bursting into flames, I was—I just couldn't help but be reminded about all the Teslas that that happens to. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's that's the that's the note. It's just uh, I've seen a lot of it on social media lately. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Bryant was was it you that posted in the group chat the video of one like that? Yeah, uh, rolled over and it just <laughs> like bar- barely rolled over and bursts into flames. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Literally, if anything taps the fucking battery, it's it's you're gonna die. Literally, it's gonna lock you in the car and burn you to death. Don't buy a Tesla. That was ghastly. Yeah, I heard about a a crash with a Tesla that had three passengers, two that were belted in and and burned to death, and one that flew out the windshield and lived because uh, they didn't have a seatbelt on. So I guess in a Tesla. Uh, it's it's safer not to have a seatbelt. Oh um, my god, that is that is really a fucking indictment. Of... 
Yeah. Postcards. Jesus. But, uh, and, <laughs> and there's another one where um, th- these people had the, the self-driving feature turned on and just plowed into the back of a parked semi and killed both of them. So, so yeah. what you're saying is that they have no complaints about their Tesla. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't even just like a, like it, the, the trailer had the actual like correct height bumper and everything. You know, a lot of them have the janky old ones that aren't like up to code or whatever. But no, this one was the proper bumper and it just like went right through that aluminum bodywork and sliced right through them. Jesus. But yeah. Yeah. Grizzly. Don't buy a Tesla. Literally buy for, for any a lot other, of reasons. Yeah. To buy any other EV. Don't buy that one. Anyway, Brandon, uh, what do you got? Uh, my life, automotively speaking, is a garbage fire. Sounds sounds like another week. Yeah, well, at least this week it's not a literal fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what well, last last we recorded, my my van had had caught fire, and I had fixed it, and it was driving again. Yep. I believe within two days of recording recording that. I started hearing more noises and my uh, steering kind of creaks and groans a lot because it's manual steering. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little janky, but I've gotten underneath there and, and all of the steering components look really sound. Uh, nothing, nothing has any excess play. Like uh, my tie rod ends all good. Um, okay. Also bear in mind, I am doing a road trip uh, three days from now that will be 1100 miles total round trip all right yeah that's a lot yeah so i uh heard these noises and i decided to you know give the van a really solid once over because i'm about to do a long drive with other people who are very much like is your van safe to drive and i'm very very much yes it is i'm sorry i have i have well for all of the like nightmarish stuff, this is in many ways one of the better conditioned vehicles I own. I've just had every conceivable problem with it. But yeah, so uh, there was this really bad creaking when I when I steered, and it was getting worse. So one of the most common places for these vans to have problems is the frame where the steering box mounts. And this van has had that problem. Uh, somebody repaired it years ago and they did a pretty fucking good job truth be told not yeah i i retract that in certain ways they did a very good job but like (laughs) they didn't clean out the old rust very well so like it left a lot of room for that sort of thing to spread anyway i climb underneath the van i look at the frame right where the steering box bolts up and it's cracked in four spots (sighs) um some of them real bad some of them fairly minor and I kind of, you know, I have a tiny meltdown because you climb underneath your car in the crank. Like when I say frame, I this is a unibody, but the older style of unibodies on vehicles like this very much leaned towards it being a frame with a body welded onto it. So yeah. when I say frame, I'm talking about like the frame rails that would ostensibly be the frame if it were a full frame vehicle. So I spent three days patching all of that as best as I could. 
And when I finally got it all together, I was real excited. I hopped back in the van. I start turning the steering wheel just as loud as ever. And mind you, a lot of these noises have happened pretty much as long as I've had it. And they happen on all of my cars that have manual steering. But a lot of this was new. And like it so, had gotten worse, yeah. Yeah. So I say, well, fuck. What, what, is it, what is it now? And I climb underneath. And anybody who knows anything about like 70s and 80s Ford truck or vans, no, it, it, they have a really weird style of suspension that they call the twin I-beam. Yeah. Um, part of that is a, a radius arm that is basically its function is to be able to allow, allow the wheel to travel up and down, but not forward and backward. The, the where the, the piece of the frame that those bolt onto had broken free on both sides. Ooh. So it act like, I won't go through the laundry list of things that once, once I saw the one that was broken more severely, it, it was broken to the point where there was basically nothing holding the wheel from moving forward or backwards, except a couple of small welds on some sheet metal in the inner rocker. Jeez. It was, I don't know how long it's been that way. There's, it's possible it's been that way for months. It's possible that uh, the twisting motion that it was exerting had broken the last part of the weld free. And that was what was causing the new noises and everything. But that being said, like this wasn't rot. It was a break. And what that means is that I, I'm a welder. So I, I had all of the scrap steel that I needed to patch everything up. So I get underneath it and it, it was, it wasn't a nightmare, but I had to like grind off all the undercoating and just, you know, it was gross. It was me like laying underneath the van trying to, to, I don't own a MIG welder. So I was TIG welding this whole thing. The other side, the break was really minor. I just, I actually haven't fixed that yet because upon closer inspection, I realized that it wasn't as severe as I initially thought. So I'm going to put a gusset or like an angle bracket on it tomorrow and call it, you know, fixed. But I get the really, really bad part fixed. And then yesterday, my buddy needed to pick up a hood for his El Camino. And I was like, fuck it, dude. Let's." The place was only 15 miles from my shop. And I'm like, hop in. My van's empty. The hood will fit inside of it. It'll be a great test drive to figure out like if the noises have stopped. We drive one mile. And one of the newer noises that I couldn't figure out, but was the catalyst for me doing a complete once over on the inside of uh, or on, uh, on the van comes back with a force like it is loud and i pull over and i'm i'm sh i get the jack out and i'm shaking the wheels and seeing like if if a tie rod end is loose and i didn't realize it we're checking all the linkages and everything feels fucking sound and weirdly like okay so we we, we just decide fuck it let's get back on the road the long the more we hear it the easier we're gonna have like easier time we're gonna have figuring out what the sound is right yeah and that actually is how I eventually figured out what it was. But what was really fucking with me was that it would very, very rarely happen under 45 miles an hour. But over 50, it was constant. <laughs> but not the kind of constant where it, like, it wasn't happening rhythmically. It was, we sort of started to realize that it was a rattle. Something was banging. 
it was because the the way those vans are set up, there's a linkage from the column to the transmission that's maybe two or three feet long. I don't remember. And it passes through a cross member. And I guess like the bushing had worn away. And so all of this fucking happened because my shifter linkage was tapping the cross member. <laughs> through. Yeah. We literally fixed it with a piece of painter's tape. We wrapped painter because that was all we had on us. We wrapped painter's tape around the linkage and it went away. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I mean, at least at least you caught the other frame issues and were able to fix them before you went on a long drive. So I, mean, I, guess... I was planning. I even got like I greased every suspension component like. I, I went, I, like, I did a lot of stuff that wasn't even, like, I think something's wrong with it. I was just doing maintenance because I don't want to m- miss the shit that I'm going to, like, I, I don't, I don't want to, like, fuck up my whole plans and my friend's plans just because I forgot to do something really stupid. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very open to making dumb mistakes that only affect me. I really don't like fucking other people's good time up. Unless they deserve it. but yeah dude oh dude and and also just just like the cherry on top the first day that i realized that something was wrong with a ford and i found the problem and had to stop driving it i i just i still have my chevy van like the newer one by newer i mean 1975 so i started driving it for one day before i realized that it had been i forgot because i hadn't driven it in a couple of weeks it's overheating Anytime you drive it. <laughs> yeah. I think you mentioned that and I forgot it too. The first day that I went to my shop to work on the Ford, I didn't even get to touch the Ford because once I got there, I was just like, ah, shit, I've already bought all of the parts to fix the Chevy and I had just put it off. So I guess I'm going to do that because I have to drive it for the next week while I repair everything else on the other van. Yeah, I mean, when you said that your Ford was having all these problems, I was like, don't you have like three other vans that you could take on this road trip? Seems it, like they all have their own miles, issues. The Ford is the only one that is going to cost a reasonable price to drive. That makes sense, yeah. My my early van, the 69, is actually my best fuel economy vehicle. It gets at 18 miles to a gallon. But it it is so far from roadworthy that if I didn't sleep or eat, there wouldn't be an, have been enough time in the last two weeks to get that ready for the trip. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Just because it's a lot of, of sheet metal fabrication from scratch. Mechanically, it's really sound. I, ba- mm-hmm. I basically had like a really good motor and transmission put into a, a you know, a shit box. So. Right. Uh, oh, all this while I have been working on two vehicles for friends. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have a job until last week. Oh, that's right. Okay. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I, I pulled a Connor and went and got a job. <laughs> Dang. Look at us all being responsible adults. And I don't know how responsible I'm being. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was being a little sarcastic there. I don't know if I'm a responsible adult. I but, literally uh, I literally got a job because I was like, all right, on unemployment, I can afford to exist, but 
I want to make more money because I need to buy a bunch of car parts. Yeah. And then my buddy that I've been fixing his El Camino for was just like, hey, I've got all this like construction work and I'm shorthanded. And he made me a pretty good offer, like pay wise. So. And and pretty much the only reason I'm doing lemons this year is like I looked at my bank account and I'm like, oh, I got some money I can burn on something stupid. So might as well be this, you know. Yep. I'm, I'm buying parts. I'm going to try and get my Chevy from 11 miles to a gallon over 20 while still keeping the V8 in it. Nice. Yeah, best of luck. These, these books I'm reading uh, swear it's possible. Sure, it's possible, but I don't know. Dude, if they're wrong and, and I only make it to 16 or 18, I will be plenty fucking happy. <laughs> yeah. You, you, the the most Debbie Downer you could be about this, and I will still be happy as a pig and shit because right now I'm getting 11, and it basically makes it so I don't want to drive it anywhere. Yeah. Also, at 11, there's no way that possible that it's running efficiently. No, it's yeah. you, you're you're like okay, something is wrong. There's there's no way to get around. You're like something is incorrect here. I mean, it's never gotten better than that. I mean, 11 and a half or 12, maybe, like if I'm going slow for a long time. It just means it's been incorrect for that long. Yeah, but I didn't care because gas was like three bucks or cheaper. Sure. N- now it's it hurts a little more. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure with uh, an old van that's not aerodynamic and, you know, doesn't have the most modern engineering, it's there's only so much you can do, but I'm I'm sure you can do better than 11. My my 69, which is the earlier style of van that is completely flat up front, like there's not even like a hood or anything, mm. 18 miles to a gallon, over 300 horsepower out of a 350, and yeah, 18 miles to a gallon. Nice. So, Damn, seems like they got that one right then. Well, that's I, I do have overdrive on that one, and I do plan on putting overdrive in this other van, but... Also, as as I will never stop screaming, there's a certain intersection point where you increase power and fuel economy because your work, your the engine is just being the most efficient that it can be. Right. Like you know, past that you can gain more power, but it's not going to be as like economical, or you can be more economical, but your power is going to suffer. But there is an intersection point right there where you're burning the fuel the most efficiently, which makes a lot of power and it means everything's going smoothly. Yeah. True. And I'm going to, I'm going to look for that point on a 50 year old van, <laughs> but uh, that that's me. That's my very, very mellow dramatic approach to, I broke my frame in like four places and fixed it in a week. Yeah. I mean, I would, if that happened to me, I would just have to straight up get rid of some shit. I'd be like, all right, well, junkyard for me. Yeah, I would be crying if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was definitely a real punch in the dick. But none of it was outside of what I'm capable of fixing. So it was... And also, like in, in terms of material costs, I literally just used scrap that I had laying around. Like, I have sheets of 14-gauge... The, the where the uh, radius arm mount broke, it broke. It didn't rot away. I just welded it back together. It, it looked like some because it broke in somebody else's near somebody else's weld in the heat affected zone. So mm-hmm. I think that maybe when they welded, they just put too much heat into it and made the surrounding area brittle. Yeah, 
but not so brittle that it didn't last at least five or six years. So, yeah, it was it was a headache, but it's done now. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you guys want to talk about some news stories or? Nah, no. screw it. Okay, well, episode's <laughs> Have you read over. the news? It's all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Joe Brandon's gonna gonna make everything better because he signed the uh, the IRA bill, and it's gonna reduce inflation. Our bombs for everyone. <laughs> i mean well, for legal reasons i mean the drinks yes. yeah well that I'm, I'm definitely not with that oh yeah i just now realized that i can do that do we need to pause again what do we need to pause again for you to make a drink or <laughs> no no i i mean i realized that i can and just be like oh it's a, it's it's like the in minecraft thing oh okay yeah Hell i mean yeah. if you need to make yourself a drink that's fine too but uh no, no, I need to. <laughs> but as a drink. <laughs> Wait, no, I think I, I think I fucked the rules up. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Joe Biden is not that cool. This is the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that um, is meant to uh, fix the economy and the climate and a whole lot of other things, and will probably do none of those, but. It's, well, uh, I, according to all the conservatives, this is how we get communism. And so I am, su- you know, I'm subscribing to the, you know, uh, Joe Brandon thought on building communism. Just <laughs> that's where I'm at right now, because the conservatives are convinced that this is how we become like China or whatever. Yeah. So, Yeah, he's got that mind control chip in the back of his head. Uh, then why orders. is his mind working? so this bill it's mostly a lot of tax cuts uh which is why i say it probably won't do a whole lot and a lot of the cut the taxes for the rich people they'll create jobs and that's uh green right yeah yeah (laughs) it'll create jobs and those jobs will pay twelve dollars an hour (laughs) and and its goal is to uh, cut greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2030, which is also not enough to actually save us from all dying from climate change. I guess people have said, oh, at least it's a step in the right direction. But I, I, don't I know. think I said, I'm going to be honest. I think I, I kind of subscribe to that. I'm like, all right, whatever. We're not doing it immediately. Just it's not happening. Get it out of your head. So every step in the right direction is like, maybe we can live to 70 instead of 50. Right. I'm, I, you know, I guess, uh, right. I, I can drift in the in the post-apocalyptic desert or whatever we live in. I don't know. I feel like, you know, I feel like it's kind of like a, a lot of uh, climate change policy is almost like me trying to get myself psyched up to do a task. Like, if I sit on the couch and I'm like scrolling on my phone, I don't do anything. But if I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up, I'm going to make my coffee and then I'm going to do this one task. And then I do that task. And then I'm like, okay, I can do another task now. Uh, maybe it's like, it's kind of like that where it's like, all right, you do this and then maybe it's easier to pass another bill. Although in the U S it's probably actually harder to pass another bill, but that's another 
issue. That's a whole different thing. But I, I'm I'm for whatever. We have currently no steps in the right direction. So I guess one step in the right direction is probably I better. I don't than even know if this is one of those steps in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's, think it's, see, there are I'm, definitely. My metaphor would be more like you're you're doing 100 miles an hour and there's a cliff ahead of you. And so you think to yourself, like, wow, this is really dangerous. Uh, I should slow down to 60. <laughs> That's an apt description. Yeah. I don't I don't love that. I mean, it's all bad. Just it's all bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people have criticized this because basically all of these tax breaks only work if you're if you own your own home. So it's a lot of stuff for like retrofitting your uh, HVAC system to be more efficient uh, for having an electric car, which you can't really plug in if you live in an apartment, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of catering to the base of the, the Democratic Party that are, you know, mostly middle class, college educated people that own their own homes, I guess. But uh, Bryant, aren't, aren't me and you both? Yeah. <laughs> and and the irony is like I might actually take advantage of some of these tax credits um if well, you I gotta you know got to do. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I can still rail against them. Um because materialism, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if somebody gives me $100, I can still be mad they didn't give me 200 and take the 100. Yeah. Or or you know, like what happened last year, uh give us $1,400 and say it's $2,000. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that happened. So it's, there's a whole lot of caveats with this and it's not going to take effect until next year, but it's a $7,500 federal tax credit on electric vehicles. And then a 4,000 credit for used electric vehicles, which oh, that's I actually might, interesting. Yeah. Which is, I, I think, the the better part of uh, that deal, uh, it's it, actually it's four thousand or thirty percent of the purchase price, whichever is less. And like I said, there's all these caveats on you know the batteries and like where the vehicle's built and uh, the income of the household and there's all this Wait, means testing and everything. Where it was built is this just a pro Tesla bill? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the thing is. That um, if we're going to the second headline, no electric vehicles on the market today qualify for the new EV tax credit. <laughs> uh, basically, because <laughs> because they re they require the vehicle battery to be built in America, and currently there are no uh, vehicles with uh, batteries built in America. So. Yeah, it turns out China has 76% of the battery market today, and the U.S. only has eight. So there's no way there's enough capacity to build cars, enough cars in America right now. Well, that's, that's curious because uh, I've seen on like 100 YouTube channels that the Chinese economy is going to collapse in the next two days or so. <laughs> they are. They so are. where are we going to get these batteries from? Yeah. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, we had a little glitch there, and uh, it kicked me off the call. But uh, but we're back now. The like you said, Brandon, the Chinese government was trying to censor us. 
or Dark Brandon. Yeah. You know, but wait, aren't those the same thing? I forget. I think I think Dark Brandon works for Xi Jinping. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard to keep up with all of the dumbest shit that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what was I saying? So the there's basically no cars right now that are being built that qualify for this tax break because most of the batteries are made in China. And um, <laughs> there's a clause in there that says uh, batteries uh, that contain minerals that were extracted, processed, or recycled by a foreign entity of concern do not qualify. Uh, so that is uh, listed by the Treasury Department as uh, China is listed as one of those foreign entities of concern. I love <laughs> I love that. Yeah. How how can we be as vague as possible while still obviously mean China? Right. <laughs> and it says later in the article that there will probably be waivers for this. Kind of like how, you know, Trump started this trade war with China and put tariffs on steel. And then um, there were just all these waivers and loopholes that exempted a lot of those uh, tariffs on uh, Chinese steel products. Yeah, by the way, I what I used to do with industrial instrumentation and valves, um, all the municipalities are like, we can only use valves that are, you know, 100% U.S. produced, but uh, we don't really make any valves here. So um, there's just a lot of waivers. And it was like, what is, why? This, like, it's just <laughs> these products like literally just don't exist and haven't for decades because it's just cheaper to produ- have them produced elsewhere. And so it's like, so everybody just gets the fucking waivers and you're like, all right, well, a whole lot of good that fucking did, guys. Yeah, I understand trying to encourage production in the U.S. Like that's a good, worthy goal. But like if there's just yeah. a loophole, they don't do it. The my last job um, was uh, doing a lot of aerospace stuff for defense contractors. And we had to adhere by something called DFARS, which I forget what it stands for, but it basically means you can't buy you know, aluminum or whatever from China or certain other countries. And like uh, any Middle Eastern country, like any country that supposedly supports terrorism. I was literally trying to look up what the certification was called when you said it. Yeah. And I remember at one point um, I was looking at a cert- a certification for some rivets and it's like, oh, these were made in China. And then they were like shipped to Mexico and then to Kansas and then to Colorado. And I brought this to my boss and eventually it went up the chain and they decided because it was imported by an American company and they certified it, that means it's American, even though it was melted in China. And I'm like, okay, whatever knots you want to tie yourself into. Sure. Whatever. But yeah, like, I don't know all these, all these things, there's always loopholes that you can drive a truck through. Well, the weird the, the problem with the loopholes is not that necessarily that it, it is a loophole. The problem is, is that you should just be willing to do business with your biggest uh, source of goods. Right. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the problem isn't like that they're secretly getting materials from China. The problem is that everybody has such a big goddamn problem with p- materials coming from China. Yeah. I, I just thought it was weird that they made this rule and then they're like, well, not really. We're not really going to do that. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it's all about optics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, to be fair, there's a lot of goods that come from China that are 
of really low quality. And a lot of people point this out, but what people don't really understand is you're like, well, who made the specifications for the product to suck? Was it the American company that sent the job? Like it's all these American companies who have stuff produced there and they give them the specs. So when they produce the spec, everyone goes, Oh, it's junky stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's because American companies are cheap. And I have, they gave them the specs. They can, they're perfectly capable. Oh, do do you? Yeah. Um, we, uh, one of our customers, when I still worked at the machine shop was getting dyes made in, I think India, because they're sort of an emerging uh, market for manufacturing right now. And every dye that we would get would come back complete. Like um, we we were sort of acting as a a middleman because we also did like stamping. So we would get the dye from India. And I think uh, probably most people don't know how expensive dye work can be. But let's say that you're uh, building a dye to stamp a fairly complicated part, it might cost eighty or a hundred thousand dollars to build that die. Yeah, it's it's a very much a an investment. That same die you get from India might be fifty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars, and it shows up all sorts of fucked up. And so then they spend twenty thousand dollars having us refurbish it and make it a fully functional die. And then they're only into it for sixty or seventy thousand dollars, and they have still saved twenty or thirty thousand. And the huge caveat there too is that the manufacturing capabilities of India, or more reasonably China, are perfectly adequate. But then they're going to pay almost as much as they would if they were having it made in America. So they just have it made anywhere the fuck else that they can and get like a semi-decent product and then they get a lot of the finishing work done. Yeah, pretty weird. All right, it's, it's not like edge of your seat fascinating, but like working in manufacturing really upped my interest in economics because really seeing the way the supply chain works firsthand and also, you know, basically seeing everything Marx wrote about firsthand. Um, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, holy shit, maybe that guy was on to something. Like, I I often get called like kind of a downer because I will explain to people as in-depth as they want me to, or at least as I'm capable of, why manufacturing is never going to come back to the U.S. So when I see some a bill like this where there's an incentive, like it's incentivized to start manufacturing batteries in the U.S., it's like, well, no, we're never going to do that for like, a whole bunch of reasons. Well, it is saying that um, Ford and South Korean battery manufacturer SK Innovation are spending $11.4 billion on several new factories in Tennessee and Kentucky. And General Motors is planning four new battery factories in the U.S. with partner LG Chem. So it's joint ventures with these Korean companies. And then Toyota says it's going to spend $1.29 billion on a factory in North Carolina. Okay, I guess I should say, not say that it will never come back. It will never come back in a significant way. Yeah, it's... Those factories are not going to be producing a significant portion of the batteries yeah, in the world. Yeah, the U.S. is never going to be the manufacturing powerhouse that it was like in the 50s. Yeah, definitely not. So, yeah, I mean... 
it's it's going to have like a phase in period. It's going to have some caveats. They're going to the Republicans are going to fight over this and call it socialism or whatever. But, you know, another thing that it does spend a lot of money on is public transit. It's one hundred nine billion over the next 10 years or so. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. And it basically takes the form of more grants and credits to states and their transit authorities. And this uh, this website, Transit for America, has some criticisms of that, basically, that it's reinforcing the status quo of public transit today, um, which is kind of focused on commuting from the suburbs to a central hub in the middle of the city, mm. which is definitely the case in uh, Denver. That's how everything is arranged. Uh, you have to go through downtown if you want to get anywhere else in another suburb so i mean there are there's definitely some criticisms of that but it is a a good step in the right direction for that um Hmm. you know i i would have been a lot more critical if it didn't include any um provisions for public transit to be honest i didn't know it did include any and no one's talked about it and that's it's probably best that no one talked about it (laughs) like it's probably a good thing that it just really hasn't been a topic of conversation yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Critical support, I guess, in that regard. Yeah, there's well, there's also and I forget the exact details, but um, as also part of the Inflation Reduction Act, which I feel like we could do a whole episode on on in its own. This is just a quick overview, but uh, it kind of feels like we're about to do a long episode. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I'm just going to mention it quick. Um, in terms of giving public land to oil companies to fucking drill on. Uh, this bill is really disastrous. I think yeah. it was like for every, oh, anytime you do any kind of renewable energy project or, or if it, or it might've been annually, like every year there has to be like 2 million square miles of public land given up to oil companies for new drilling permits. Not that like every square mile will be used, but like, all of that is available to them. And I think it was like, there was some other, something else that like was 60 million square miles or whatever. So like just huge amounts of public land. And I think it was 60 million in the ocean for, you know, whatever ocean drilling they do. And then 2 million um, of actual like physical federal land has to be given up to oil companies. Probably, if you think about it on a longer timeline, they gave them more ocean than land because probably a lot of the <laughs> land that they gave them will be under the ocean because of this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just there was a lot of giveaways to the sources of climate change problems to like get this bill going. And by the way, there's nothing in here that reduces inflation, not one bit. There's a huge chunk that pays down against the national debt, which is just money that they're burning for no fucking reason because of how the debt works and everything. It's just it's 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 like three hundred billion dollars, I think. And it's just for Joe Manchin to say, look, I helped pay down the debt, even though it doesn't mean anything and it's not even going to put a dent in the debt. So um, and it won't reduce inflation. There's nothing as far as I can tell that does reduce inflation, like in any way, shape or form. It's just the name of the bill. So there's that, too. And then 
God, what was the other thing? Oh, oil company like executives, like CEOs and shit. Like I think specifically the CEO of Valero, which is a big oil refining company, was like, yeah, we're not against this bill. There's some good shit in here for us. <laughs> I mean, those aren't that's not a quote, but it's basically like that is very much pretty much what he said. So, you know, it's it's got its bad parts, too. And it seems like there's a lot of bad and like a little bit of good. Sure. But um, there is also a lot of bad. So, yeah, you know, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. Same old ruling class doing ruling class stuff. Yeah. So it's uh, it's largely a bad bill. I, I suppose it's like, well, I guess it's maybe good that we'll get money for public transportation and maybe some incentives for more EVs, but which are hardly a solution to climate change problems anyway. But that's, again, a whole other episode. Don't want to get into it, but the IRA sucks. Yeah. This IRA sucks. <laughs> yeah. so, the deal with this was that what? It was just uh, they come up with an idea that's good, and once everybody gets their cut, it's just dog shit again? Yeah. Like, wasn't this a lot of Joe Manchin's doing? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was almost exclusively Joe Manchin's doing. It's like, Well, we got to get Joe Manchin on our side, so we better gut everything meaningful. Oh, Joe Manchin, like, wrote this fucking bill. Like, this is, like, his baby. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. That's that's what I'm saying. It's, like, I, 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 I heard a lot about the bill, and I could, like, go into more depth. But, like, oil companies are loving it. Let's let's leave it at that. So, um, it's, for climate, it's bad. It's almost all bad. For inflation, it's also, it's not any good. So, you know, yeah. there's, I'm sure there's a good provision here and there and, you know, there's some okay stuff and, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's better than nothing. Maybe that's true, but it could also in some respects be worse than nothing. Yeah. Thank you for stabbing me. Just as long as you don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a great bill for the U S gotta love yeah. it. Yeah. And and one more quick thing that it does kind of good, it, it uh, includes uh, one billion dollars for electric school buses. Okay, I could. So that's, seems good ish. One billion is not enough, but yeah, I guess it's something. So, I mean, and it it's focused on mostly areas with bad uh, air pollution. So, you know, at, at least that is you know doing some good. Uh, yeah, keep... that's that's funny to me because it's it's like we're going to make school buses go green and Republicans are like, that's cool. We're getting rid of public school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's God. We'll have it's electric so school bad. buses that go nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to someone like a lot of school districts now just don't have school buses. They expect the, the parents to drop them off. Which... Yeah, that's how my that's how my school district was. I had to walk or ride the bike or take the the like actual like the real like actual bus. The city <laughs> bus. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was a nightmare because it was like the times were like you can show up to school an hour and a half early or you can show <laughs> up late. Up to you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about how if I wanted to commute via public transit right now is about how it would go. The last time I had to commute via public transit, it, it fortunately got me to work five minutes before my start time. And all I had to do was be on public transit for two hours. Oh, God. Yeah, that's 
uh, people don't use public transit because public transit in this country fucking blows. No, you don't understand though. I, that was when I lived in uh, Philadelphia, and that was me. That was me going all the way from Philly to another part of Philly. Oh well, okay. Yeah, all right, it's not so bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think last time I commuted via public transit, uh, it took about an hour and a half to do a, a route that would have taken about 20 minutes on a car. So, you know, it's almost starting to feel like we should make cars less the focal point of, of <laughs> all of public. <laughs> yeah, something like That'd that. Be that's, nice. that's an interesting idea you've had there, Brandon. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about pitching that to somebody. <laughs> So another thing that, uh, I don't know, might might be an interesting development, might be uh, too little too late. Um, California is planning on banning the sale of new gasoline cars by 2035. Which, I did see that. I feel yeah. like that's a big story. That's a big move. Yeah. It's something. And uh, it, it makes sense. You know, I mean, California has always been kind of on the vanguard of pollution uh you know, control because L.A. was such a uh, a terrible place yeah, for smog. It was, it was out of necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there, and I think I, I forget if I talked about that a little bit on the unsafe at any speed, but that is part of it. Um, that if I haven't covered, I'll uh, I'll cover in the future. But uh, let's see. There's a whole bunch, you know, about Gavin Newsom saying some some big flowery language. The thing I thought was kind of funny is. Uh, the attorneys general of 17 Republican led states have sued to revoke the California waiver, which would undo the new policy. The lawsuit, which will be heard before the U S court of appeals for the district of Columbia circuit considered the nation's second most powerful bench after the Supreme court. Okay. So um, it doesn't really say why they're, they're against this other than just they hate California. Uh, oh, I have a good <laughs> idea why they're against it. <laughs> yeah. You got to figure California is one of the more populous states in the the country. So this is the California equivalent of when Texas started changing like what was allowed in school books because that okay. affected how school books would be written for the rest of the country because they were such a large consumer. So right. if California makes it so that at that point you're no longer allowed to manufacture gasoline cars for sale in California, then gasoline car production in general will probably drop because every company is going to have to factor in the California market. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 amazing to watch Republicans understand systemic issues the minute a state tries to do something that they don't like that will actually have an effect on their other states. <laughs> they quickly yeah. understand that, oh, uh, this is a system and it'll affect other things. And you're like, well, how come you don't understand that for any other issue? course i mean they do but well it's a pretty widely established fact that everything in the world is just a series of random events that are not interconnected (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's no such thing as a society nope but if there if there was i would have a lot of criticisms (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i guess there are some valid criticisms of this because you know the manufacturing and infrastructure is not really geared towards building and charging all these cars. But I mean, in fifth, you know what, uh, 13 years, I think they can figure that out. 
Um, I don't yeah, know. Plus, it's going to be very profitable to figure this out. Like, it's yeah, they will do it. Well, the the really curious thing though that like you just addressed is as climates continue to get hotter, pe- more people are going to be using air conditioning, and as we start producing more and more electric cars, it's going to put more and more strain on the power grid. And I don't, I genuinely don't know if any state has the infrastructure that's, that's genuinely ready for that. Like California is already struggling in a lot of ways. Just uh, the drought's so bad that they're saying that the Hoover Dam will no longer be producing electricity within a few years. Yeah. So you really have to wonder like what their infrastructure plans are to be able to continue having everyone own a car, but them all be electric. Yeah, it is. I don't think that's going to play out the way that it's being put forward. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, there's much better ways of doing this than just everyone drives an electric car. But that's, you know, the individual capitalist American way of doing things, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, again, it's the everyone having an electric cars on its own is probably something we could do. But like with serious droughts causing hydroelectric plants to be uh, less, less uh, productive and more people needing AC and shit like that. Like it is compounding shit. So like we do need huge infrastructural um, improvements in a very short period of time that the U S has demonstrated it is not willing to do. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it will. uh, It's going to be a few hard years when like shit really is like not going well and all of a sudden they'll magically find a bunch of money and like, Oh yeah, we can do all this stuff. So it's going to be like shitty for a few years, but they will find the money and the will to do it all of a sudden. And then they'll take credit for it. I wish I shared your optimism. (laughs) I mean, it's yeah, I don't know. I feel like there, there's not going to be much choice. So yeah, I mean, it is a little bit of a parallel to like the and we'll get into this with some of the later episodes on uh, unsafe at any speed, but like how that had such an impact on the the safety um, of, of vehicles that, you know, there's all these bills passed. But then the, um, the the manufacturers kind of dragged their feet and got waivers for, um, you know, keeping with their old technology because they had to, you know, retool and whatever. Um, when they didn't really need to, they could have paid for it with just, you know, a fraction of their profits as, uh, Ralph Nader points out, but I'll have more on that later. Um, I did have one more story and then I'll throw it to you, uh, Connor from a friend of the show, James Gilboy, electric Dodge charger concepts exhaust is as loud as Hellcat V8. So this is a new concept car that Dodge came out with, um, electric muscle car that has a electric exhaust uh that is you have to find an audio clip of that and put it in right here yeah <laughs> it's uh 126 decibels um according to dodge which is uh about the limit for like damage to your hearing yeah it's really that's too much i'm like look if you don't have to have a real ex- like you can just be quieter like it's it's really not the exhaust noise is like oh that's such a cool sound you're like yeah to a point but like if you don't need it 
uh, get rid of it. I mean, right. I'm, it has to make some sound. Um, like there is an, a whole interesting thing about like electric cars do have to make some kind of noise because of course you've got like, you know, disabled folks and stuff who maybe are uh, vision impaired or something like they have to be able to hear that there are vehicles around them. Right. So like, and other drivers need to know if someone's near that there's a whole host of reasons. Cars do need to make some noise, but like they don't need to make that much noise. I think that was just a concept for the most part. I don't, I would hope that the, any production of uh, electric quote unquote exhaust noises were quieter, but it's Dodge. So I don't fucking know about that. They might go on through with it. They have said that it's going to be their most powerful production vehicle they've ever made. So they're going to keep going with the, uh, you know, more and more power muscle cars, just electric now. Okay. But hear me out. Um, (laughs) I'm not anti that in like in a microcosm. I think that if, because if you, if you go anywhere where car guys are, are talking, any forums, any threads online, it is the dumbest, ignorant shit, most ignorant shit you can find about electric cars. Oh yeah. And like, you know, if, if you're a car guy and you're talking about a Prius, like, sure, it's not ever going to have, like, a zero to 60 in, like, three seconds. But uh, if you can have Dodge release their next weirdo fucking electric car that's making 900 or 1,000 horsepower, which, mind you, if it's their most powerful production, those are the realistic numbers you're looking at. Yeah. Because the Demon was uh, 808, I think, or 818. Yep. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. So you're looking at like 850 to 1,000 horsepower. Yeah. That's going to be one of those things where a lot of the dumbest fucking people are sort of forced to be like, all right, maybe electrics are kind of all right. Yeah. I mean, I I, I guess maybe I'm being a bit of a De- Debbie Downer on this, but like it does. Well, I also look- just really want one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does look cool and I'm sure it's fast. Um, and everything but it did look very cool I, yeah. I was i think it looks way cool it's what the charger always should have looked like actually right. the charger is always i'm like what the fuck did you make like you took everything about the original charger and then did not that yes um, <laughs> exactly yes so so this was actually i was like okay this is going back in the right direction I, I thought the it looks cool if you haven't seen it yet look it up it is it's all over the internet but it is very cool um yeah I do how I, I do like how they um they took what looks like a grill and made a wing out of it on the front. I didn't notice that. So, like where there's the uh, the the triangle shaped uh, Mopar uh, icon in the middle there. On either side is just a hollow space that air can go through up and over the hood. So it looks like a sort of squared off, you know, 1960s car, but it's really this sort of arrow shape because hmm. it doesn't need a huge radiator, like a, uh, internal combustion powered car. Uh, Look on that note, I was thinking of, I noticed the other day, like I saw a Tesla, a white Tesla that was just cut co- the front, like where the grill is covered in fucking bugs. And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's kind of the thing about getting rid of grills is you're just going to be covered in fucking bugs. Like I, I think they should put fake, like fake grills or something. Cause it looks real bad when I was just like, oh, you can't have the, you know, the same body color there. That's just flat. You can't do that. It's gross. No. 
Yeah, I mean, unless uh, global warming kills all the bugs. Oh, that's true. It look, I won't complain if if mosquitoes go away. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get too upset about that. I'm gonna keep it real. No, it's just all the ones that we need for pollinating crops and everything. Oh well, yeah. In that case, bad. We don't need crops. So, Connor, I I think you've been proved right about street racing in Chicago. Do you want to gloat for a minute? Oh yeah, this is yeah, this is just a quick little victory lap. So. Long-time listeners might remember one of our earliest episodes. I don't remember which one it was, but it was like in the first like it was in the first 10. And it was it was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, so it was it was a while ago. And so we did an episode about Rahm Emanuel, the former mayor of Chicago, and his obnoxious crackdown on car culture in in Chicago and, you know, a lot of my thesis was basically like, yeah, there's like an issue of like, you know, car culture in Chicago. There is an issue here. It's disruptive and whatever, but like they're trying to use cops to stop this problem instead of like trying to actually work with the people who are part of this community to like give them a space to go and to like work with them. Like, Hey, can you not be assholes over here and instead do this here? Or can you, do this in a controlled manner like even though it's illegal like they could work with this car scene and my thesis was essentially they're not doing that they're going to just double down on an enforcement and the result is going to be it's going to get worse and covid kind of changed things for a little bit but now that no one gives a shit about covid anymore um which they should of course but uh well you know the rest of the world moved on. The leftists are, we're just going to be right in silence as usual. So now that that's kind of over, uh, the car scene in Chicago has gotten way more disruptive by a lot. And they like just passed a fucking bill that like increases the punishments for getting caught with this stuff to like, oh, it's it'll cost you $10,000. Your car can get impounded immediately. All this crazy shit. And despite that, Right now, today, there are still news reports about how, oh, well, now there's sideshows in Chicago. And sideshows are like where you get intersections being taken over and people are doing wild fucking donuts and like, and where those originate in like Oakland, right? So in Oakland, California, they've got the sideshow and I might have some criticisms of it, but like largely it's the community in which it happens is like they're doing it and they've done that for decades and there's a pretty good culture around it it's in you know so i I don't want to be too critical of their particular culture there because it is somewhat controlled it's well known and it is like condoned by the community to a large extent now now that it's being exported to other cities that is no longer the case it's really just people who are rebelling and looking for something to do and they're part of this car culture. And so they are just taking over whatever intersections they want. And in the city, I mean, of Chicago, they're taking over major intersections now. And like, there is some danger here. I mean, there's these cars are doing donuts and people are like standing next to them filming. And like, by the way, if you're ever near a sideshow or you're in a car doing donuts, do not hang out the window. 
Okay. You will see a lot of videos on the internet of people doing that. Please, please, please do not do that. Um, so if you're a listener and you think like, oh yeah, that'll be cool. I'll like sit on the windowsill. Please do not do it. Like for real, no joke here. Do not do that. It is extraordinarily fucking dangerous. Um, so what I have, you're telling me is don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that again for real. Like, um, I have drifted enough to know how violent the G-forces can be the minute you change directions. It is easily enough to overwhelm a person's grip if they're not paying super close attention and they will go flying from a car and get run over. Like, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for a stupid TikTok video or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Do not do it. Please, God, do not do it. I've seen plenty of videos, too, of people standing next to someone doing donuts trying to, you know, get them on film and getting knocked the fuck over by a yeah i see these videos like once a week of someone getting run over hit they're usually okay but like seriously this this is a it is kind of dangerous when people are doing this it's they're not generally very skilled or they're skilled enough to like do donuts but like you know and they call it drifting but like it's it's not it's not like all the way there so you have a lot of inexperienced people and a lot of people who are spectating and watching and they're like, oh, these people doing this are like totally know what they're doing. And that's not true. And so they will get hit and it's chaotic and whatever. So people can get hurt. So this is bad for the car scene in general. But like they put speed bumps down on like lower whacker, which is where a lot of this stuff used to happen underground in the tunnels. And it would annoy a few rich people. So they put some speed bumps down there. And so now it's happening like in the West loop. <laughs> like in, so it's gone from like, okay, it was underground and annoyed a few people to it's annoying the whole fucking city now. And they're literally shutting down intersections with hundreds of people. And like, they're making extreme noise, leaving tire tracks. Like this is shit that like will cause the cops to really get aggressive. And they're, they already have the rule on the books now to be super aggressive. So so far, it's not deterring people because police generally don't act as a deterrent as much as they think. So it's like it's a bad situation where it's like there's more enforcement happening and more people are just going to be hurt by this. Right. More people are going to have their cars impounded and like not be able to get them out. And so it's going to hurt working class people there. And it hurts all the working class people who are subjected to the outrageous noise and shit where this stuff is happening. And it's just like out of control, like they closed off a street where, you know, I used to drift back in the day. It was like this little private street where this industrial company was making concrete. They gated, they literally put a gate there. And so now I'm seeing pictures in this recent article where they're just like at the adjacent intersection of like Cermak and Lumber Street. And it's like, yeah, now they're just blocking off huge portions of like Cermak, which is in that section, it's not like super heavily traveled, but like it's traveled enough. Like it, they are causing traffic now. So anyway, this is just me taking a little victory lap because everything I predicted in that early episode came true. And then some it's much worse. It's it's dangerous for everyone involved. It, the stakes are higher and the enforcement has not stopped anything. And it's just gotten everything worse. So everything I predicted happened. Yeah. So and once again, I love being right. It's it's just <laughs> wonderful when I'm right about bad things. Yeah. What do they call that? Cassandra complex or something? 
well, whatever they call it. I mean, I think I said this off air, but I'm fully at the point where now I'm just like doing communism, not so that I can like improve the world for the better, but just so that it's it's on recording that I was right like a year beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this is just a very elaborate I told you so that I've I've calculated. Yeah, pretty much. So anyway, it was worth noting. There's a whole article I could read it, but like there's no point. It's things have gotten have spiraled out of control, just as I predicted, and enforcement didn't work. Again, an argument that police and prisons do not do what they're claiming to do. They they're just not they don't work that way. And you know, the ruling class thinks they do work that way, and it's fucking wild. So, and once again, we're just right. Yeah. I I heard about this happening in L.A. also, and the the police even uh, just closed an entire bridge, like, that was, you know, people were doing these sideshows or whatever on the bridge, and it's like, you know, oh, these people are blocking traffic and causing a disturbance, so... We're going to block, block traffic, traffic. <laughs> and cause a disturbance. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, well, hold on. And then the, what's better is they're going to move somewhere else. So now right. instead of there being one traffic jam, there's two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so fucking predictable. And it sucks that like, you can tell someone ahead of time, like, this is what's going to happen. And this is why it's going to happen. And then they'll be like, no, that's not how it works. And then you're just right. And no one ever notices. Very frustrating. Yeah. So we'll we'll have a follow up episode on the uh, IRA bill in uh, eight years when it fails to meet the climate targets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, when when there's probably well, just imagine a world in eight years. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anything else before we wrap up? Uh, I know we are on a little bit of a time limit, and we might have passed that. You know what? Um, I know we were. Can we do like a five minute roundup of some of these like other kind of headlines of articles that we wanted to go through, but like they're really, really quick. I feel like we could knock them out real yeah, fast. Yeah, you got those ready to go. I don't know if I have them all. Yeah, I, I, I can pull them up here because I do think it is worth mentioning. Um, oh, we did get through. Actually, did did either of you hear about the refinery closure in Indiana? No, no. I think that happened either this morning or yesterday. A refinery that did about a half a million barrels a day of oil had like some problems. Doesn't really matter what kind, but it's shut down indefinitely. And me and a friend of mine were talking this morning about what the repercussions of that are going to be because it only accounts for about, it was either 0.2 or 0.02% of the oil refined in the U.S. a day. But we were just speculating on what they could possibly do, you know, do. Do you know the name of the plant? Was it BP Whiting? Uh, I think it was a BP plant. Yeah, it was, it was probably BP Whiting. I didn't hear about it, but like, it look, if there was any refining plant in the Chicagoland, Indiana area that was going to have a problem, BP Whiting is it. BP Whiting. Yep. Yep. So that was an old, outdated plant. There notorious for being really fucking lax about everything and just like falling that plant is like falling apart um has been for a long time so yeah not yeah, a huge surprise it's not a huge enough percentage that it i could see it nest like necessarily causing a problem and 
I'm it can it maybe for the Midwest, for Indiana and the Chicago area, it can cause an issue. But that's, that's I, a, I was going to say that. But even even then, I almost think that because it's a refinery, uh, things will be able to be moved around. And also, I think that they're probably going to be less enthusiastic about blaming pr- like doing things domestically that are going to cause price increases. Like price increases before you could easily blame on Russia and everybody was just like, God damn it, Russia. And yeah, uh, you know, they, it was a win-win rich people were making more money and everyone else was just getting mad at Russia when they wanted them to. Yeah, fair. But actually, yeah, looking back at our, our roundup here, um, it looks like we did get through most of the stories actually more than I thought. I don't know why it felt like we didn't get through as much, but we did. The only thing I wanted to mention here and, no article, no nothing. Just a tweet from the, <laughs> the great, amazing King, Techno King, Dogecoin aficionado, Elon Musk himself. And the tweet is as follows. After wide release of FSD beta, 10 point, whatever the fuck, a bunch of numbers, um, which is the full self-driving, of course. Price of FSD will rise to $15,000 in North America on September 5th. Current price will be honored for orders made before September 5th, but delivered later. Now, five, up to 15000 that's up to up from 10000 mm-hmm. So this guy is raising the price of full self-driving capability by 50 fucking percent. This at a time when, like, just a couple months ago, there was a whole documentary that came out about how bad their fucking self-driving is and how it's getting people fucking killed. And this after just like a couple weeks ago when the internet was going wild over like the Tesla's hitting little child size mannequins, like without even slowing down, they like literally do not see child size objects. And like, so this put off like a whole thing on social media where people are like, filming their screen which shows what the tesla sees as it drives and it like can't make sense of fucking anything it doesn't see (laughs) kids it fuck it just it is dog shit and it's like really fucking dangerous to say nothing of the like battery fires and shit which are also fucking wild but like these cars the full self-driving is like trigger warning if you want to commit suicide a very good way to do it. Um, tr- uh, trigger warning. I feel like that. Uh, well, it's supposed to come first, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, but like, it's incredibly fucking dangerous, and so yeah, and so this asshole has got the nerve to increase the price by fifty percent, despite it not working like at all, and having been super late, still doesn't work the way it's supposed to, the way they claimed it would ten years ago. Um, and this motherfucker is going to raise the price by fifty fifty percent in a tweet you yeah. you heard like, about the like low-key beef that he had when he asked people for the feedback on their f- full self-driving right i actually did not I, I wasn't even gonna mention it but then we hopped on shitting on musk so how could i not uh he like put out something that was basically like asking for feedback because constructive <laughs> criticism is a legitimately good thing right yeah not for him jesus <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> what the fuck he thought it was thinking asking people for criticism because like he he's probably one of those people who thinks that he can handle criticism even though <laughs> everyone in the room is just like yeah no you're great at criticism um <laughs> but yeah anyway he, he did that and and 
a customer who wasn't even being like a dick, like was like, hey, I'm having these problems with my full self-driving. And Elon Musk just got all shitty with him on Twitter. Oh, wait, that's the guy who I think um, he like like took away his order or something. He had like a, a no, pre-order different for thing. There were no like legitimate uh, repercussions for this guy. Oh, okay. Just Elon Musk being shitty to him on Twitter. Wow, you're, you're thinking of an actual critic who liked his Tesla, but did make some complaints, or like maybe it was a reporter. Yeah, um, but yeah, Musk and canceled. he canceled their order. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you see the? <laughs> did you see the guy that was like, um, "Hey, can I borrow your child to to prove that this yes. is actually safe?" <laughs> <laughs> it was. I don't like it was a whole thing and I there like a few days later uh, it was like Monday or Tuesday there were stories coming out like uh, YouTube removes video of like people testing the full self-driving with like kit and is like oh Jesus holy shit so yeah of course the ruling class sticks together YouTube started removing any videos that show the Tesla is like a pile of shit yeah and um I started listening to Ralph Nader's podcast and they talk about this a lot in one of the more recent ones. Um, they had an expert on who uh, was involved with like um, autonomous vehicles on the military side. And so he, he seemed like an expert and, you know, was saying like, this is hard to do even if you have a huge budget for, you know, like a $10 million airplane or drone or whatever and doing it on a, car that has to um you know like he was very critical of like their product cycle being like three years of development to to bring out a new <laughs> car or whatever. He's like, there's no way they can do that in three years but uh yeah it's worth a listen if you want to to know more about that we should see if we can find an engineer who can really break down like not even just that it's bad but like why i know we've gone into the like lidar versus the other uh sort of like just visual cameras. Yeah. Literally just visual cameras. <laughs> and uh, the, the only other thing that I've seen on it that I th- felt was well done was um, uh, Missy Cummings, who right now I think is working for the uh, Department of Transportation. But before that, she was um, on the uh, – she, she does stuff with autonomous vehicles. And she was on the Smoking Tire podcast talking about some of the problems with different levels of – uh, self-driving and basically saying there's no way that what Tesla is advertising calling full self-driving is actually full self-driving. It's just, Oh yeah. It's not they're, they're marketing basically, but that yeah. might be another one to check out. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, I think that's about, it's about it. Yeah. Um, so a whole bunch of news and, uh, you know, all, all the, all the normal stuff. Yeah. Every, everything uh, sounds, uh, totally normal and good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh well for for more uh entertainment uh as the world around you crumbles follow us on uh, social media twitter instagram facebook hexbear uh reddit you name it we're there hit us up yeah i i um if i can gloat for a second uh on hexbear one of our when i posted one of our episodes on the the podcast page of that website it got more upvotes than an episode of uh, chapa trap house what so, <laughs> oh that is gloat worthy why didn't you start the episode with that what the fuck now it was like eight versus six upvotes 
That's um, all. Hey, we beat them by whoa, 25% <laughs> over here. Hey, this is great. Hey, this is fantastic. Yeah. We're going to be on the top of the fucking uh, the Apple podcast list soon. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a... <laughs> I think there there might be like a few thousand people on that website at any given moment, so it's not the biggest thing. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. I'll take yeah. it. We can gloat a little bit. We get to. As a treat. Well, I mean, now that I've switched over fully to just being here so I can say I was right, like, gloating is literally my end game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, on that note, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Check us out uh, next time or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Listen to us again sometime. All right. Goodbye. Bye. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism foists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment. And then it does an interesting thing. It eventually begins to devour itself. If the paladins of corporate America want to know what really threatens our way of life, it's their way of life. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Uh, it's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy. The billionaires and the Bolsheviks. Ha 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 